Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's time for the latest on the Brewers, Bucks, and Packers with the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM, The Fan. Hour two of the Fan Afternoon Show rolls on. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Adam Roberts. Time to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Earlier today, I saw on the big show, you guys had talked about this list that ESPN had put out of its top 10 running backs voted on by various coaches, executives, just different people around the league. And here's how that list shaked out. At number 10, you had Javante Williams, which I think is kind of crazy that the rookie Javante Williams is on this list ahead of guys like Eckler. I don't think Zeke should be considered, but Saquon, some of these other guys, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, kind of surprised that Javante Williams is there, but he's ranked at number 10. Number nine is Aaron Jones. We'll talk about him more in a second. Najee Harris is number eight. Number seven, still Christian McCaffrey. Six, Joe Mixon. Five, Alvin Kamara. Four, Dalvin Cook. Three, Nick Chubb. Two, Jonathan Taylor. And number one, still King Henry. Which I would probably put Jonathan Taylor at that top of that list right now, but maybe that's just because Derrick Henry was injured last year. Because a lot of what happened last year is we felt like the torch got passed, but I don't know if the torch got passed as much as King Henry wasn't available and Jonathan Taylor was the best of the rest. Real quick, Toby, we mentioned on the show today, this was just as I was getting in because Tim Shea and I did a split show today, but they were mentioning how with all of the touches Taylor had last year, led the league in attempts. Is his window going to be a short one in the NFL? Jonathan Taylor? Yeah. Uh, possibly, but I, I mean, he's shown that he can hold up. Derrick Henry's workload's been crazy. I guess so. It's just something you think about because, I mean, at Wisconsin, he wasn't exactly only doing 10 or 12 carries a game. You want to hear something else crazy? What's that? Breaking news on the fan is Again? brought to you by the Beat the Streak podcast. Get an inside edge on how to win the $5.6 million prize every day of this baseball season. Listen on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcast. It's sort of important. But it's not because this team is going to be the worst team in the NFL. Hmm. Mike Garofolo and 
uh, Ian Rappaport are reporting that the Patriots have traded wide receiver and Keel Harry to the Chicago Bears for a 2024 seventh round pick. Which is a big deal because he's probably their number two receiver right away. They don't have anyone else, dude. They don't have anyone else. Literally, they have Darnell Mooney and who else? If you'd ask me who to name, I think they have Byron Pringle now. I don't even know who's their receiving core. Great, now I'm hungry. I think they know they have uh, Cole Komet still at tight end. David Montgomery at running back. Do they have anything else? I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's why I laugh when you know I laugh off air when people talk about how the Packers don't have anyone at wide receiver now that Adams is gone. I was like, man, have you seen the rest of the NFC North? I don't think we have to be too worried about it. Yeah, the Bears depth chart. Let's see if we can find that real quick, and we'll get back into Aaron Jones here in a second. But let's laugh at the Bears for a little bit because that's worth it. Bears depth chart. Oh, that's right. They have EQ, Valus Jones. They drafted him. Byron Pringle, Daz Newsome, Tajay Sharp, former Packers great David Moore, who I think was recently arrested, so that's not great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dante Pettit. This is terrible. This is one of the worst receiving cores I've seen in a while. Chris (laughs) Finky. Terrible. Kevin Shea, not to be mistaken with our own Tim Shea, which Tim Shea could probably suit up and play receiver for the Bears this year, too. Could probably use him at tight end in Green Bay. This is awful. This is awful. All right, let's get back to a good football team, the Green Bay Packers. So, again, he's Aaron Jones was ranked number nine among these running backs. And it got me thinking, because Bart has brought this up at times this year, but how much does Aaron Jones' role this year need to change? How much does Aaron Jones' role need to change this season? 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. Or you can tweet us at 1250 AM, the fan. So I want to go through and look at the different ways he's been used throughout his career and how many touches he's got in the game. So going back to his second year in the league, he's gotten double-digit touches a game. Since then, his rookie year only got 7.5, and he's a rookie. Second year, 13.3 touches per per game. 2019, his career high, 17.8 touches per game. Then 2020, similar at 17.7 touches a game. This last year, he touched the ball only 14.9, only 15 times a game he's touching the football. That's just under 11.5 rushes a game, about 3.5 receptions a game. That's going to have to get bumped up, you would think, right? I think the Packers have done a really good job for the most part with Aaron Jones, because he's not the biggest guy, of limiting his usage to the point that he's going to be healthy going into the postseason. Because he's never going to be a workhorse back. He's never going to be the Derrick Henrys or the Jonathan Taylors. We talked about that already with how much those guys get used and beat up and the usage rate is so high that you wonder about their longevity. Well, now you've actually had a decent length career from Aaron Jones. And part of that is because the Packers have been very hesitant on using him too much. But I think if you're going to be successful this year, and I think your window for the Packers is clearly the next three years where Aaron Rodgers is under contract. And I would almost say that if I'm the Packers, I'm swinging for this season and next, because who knows if Rodgers plays that third year or not. And maybe he does, but I think if the Packers win a Super Bowl, Aaron might be done after that. But I'm going for it in the next two years. So do they need to change how he's used? I would like to see him get the ball closer to 20 times a game. Last year, again, it dipped under 15 touches a game. 
as opposed to the years previous getting around 18. I'd like to see him get back up to that 18, 19 touches a game mark because you're taking away some of those touches from the Devontae Adams in this offense, and you got to give him somewhere. MVS's touches are gone, which he didn't touch the ball a whole lot anyways, but you're going to have to give them to someone. And I'm sorry, I'm not giving extra loads of extra touches to Lazard. I think he can be solid for you guys, but again, I'm still going to say he's probably around the 750, 800 mark for receiving yards, so I'll leave him there. He's going to get a bump, but not too much. Then you look around the rest of the offense. Is Randall Cobb going to get a lot more touches? Eh, I don't necessarily need that. Christian Watson's going to take some of those touches. You got uh, Romeo Dubs. He'll take some as well. And hopefully Robert Tunyon can be ready to go early in the season so you'll have some at the tight end spot. But you're still going to have to use someone as your primary guy. And I still feel like if you're going to try and have this offense be at its best, you got to use the best playmakers you have. And the best playmakers you have are in the backfield, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And you have a guy that when I'm asking Aaron Jones to get, you know, 18 to 20 touches a game, they don't all have to be rushes because you have a guy that's built like a bowling ball that can be that guy who runs the ball 15, 20 times a game. I don't think there's going to be a true number one again this year. I think it's going to be another 1A, 1B sort of scenario for the Packers when you look at Jones and Dylan, and I'm fine with that. But if we're going to do something like that, I think I would be more prone to say, let's make Dylan the 1A in terms of rushing the football. Let's get him 15 to 18 carries a game. And maybe we get a few less carries from Aaron Jones and more receptions. You're still run the ball with Aaron Jones. And maybe I'm a little naive to think that they can run the ball 15 to 18 times with Dylan, still run the ball maybe 10 times with Jones and still get him the ball as much as I'm asking. But I'd like to see Aaron Jones used a little bit differently. Let's get him the ball more in the passing game. Last year, three and a half receptions a game. The year before, about 3.4. 2019, three receptions a game. So he's averaging around three, right? Three, three and a half. Can we get him up to maybe four and a half, five? Because I think he's going to be your most dynamic playmaker in the passing game. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be going down the field with him and lining him up at wide receiver, but there's no reason that we can't maybe run more screens for him or you can't use him running routes out of the backfield. Bart's talked about using him almost as the kind of opposite of a Debo Samuel where Debo is a receiver playing running back and gets used as a running back more than receiver would get used. How about we use Aaron Jones in a role where he's, yes, a running back, but you use him more as a receiver and kind of the opposite way like that. So I'd be interested to see if they do some of that. I'd love to see them run more two-back sets because, again, I think when you are trying to build your best 11 to put out there on your offense, your best 11 is obviously going to include A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, And I think your offense can be more effective when you have both those guys on the field at the same time. Think about what you have to do as a defense when those guys are on the field. When A.J. Dillon's on the field, yes, you have to respect a little bit of the passing game with him because he's shown that he can catch the ball out of the backfield, so you have to respect it just very minimally. But you do have to sort of respect it. But for the most part, when A.J. Dillon comes in the game, it's 
pack the box, make sure they don't run it up the middle, because if you don't pack the box and he's running up the middle, that's pretty much a guaranteed four or five yards. Aaron Jones, on the other hand, you have to cover sideline to sideline, and you don't want to let him get outside. So you're focusing on making sure he doesn't get that edge and making sure that you can keep him inside. And if you put them on the field together, well, now you can kind of work both ways. You got the defense thinking they got to spread out. They got to make sure they can't allow Aaron Jones to get outside and be dynamic. And then they're also thinking, but at the same point, we can't just let A.J. Dillon pound it down our throat the entire game and let them get four and five yards a pop. And Aaron Rodgers of the past probably wouldn't have worked well in an offense where his best two playmakers were his running backs. And it was going to be, I'm not going to say run first, because again, I'm still going to say that you want to put it in your best playmaker's hand. Again, if we're being honest about it, your best player is still Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hand. But I think he's more willing now to not work in a run-first offense, but a more balanced, run-centric offense. It's still probably going to be pass-first. You're still probably going to go 60-40 pass. If, you know, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. But it's probably going to be closer to that. Aaron Rodgers is still going to throw the football. So don't think I'm saying he's not going to. I'm not going to go the same route as Leroy where he said, oh, Aaron would be fine throwing the ball only 20 times a game. I disagree with that. Aaron's going to want to air it out still. But I think he's going to be willing to rely more on his playmakers at running back. So he's going to be willing to hand the ball off. If it means just needling your way down the field by handing it off to A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, and that's the way you get down the field. I think he'll be more fine with that now than he would have in previous seasons and whatever works. Because I think if he wanted to try and win MVP again, he could have gone somewhere else. Look at the weapons that Denver has. He could have gone and played in Denver, and he didn't decide to do that. He decided to stay in Green Bay. So I think he's trying to win a Super Bowl And I think he realizes his best options are going to be at running back. And that's why I think that Aaron Jones needs to have an increased role in the passing game, getting the ball to him in space, whether it's swing passes or quick screens or him lining up in the slot and running across the field. Whatever the case may be, I'd like to see both guys utilized a little bit more, him, Dylan, and uh, Aaron Jones. But Aaron Jones, I think, needs to get more involved in the passing game and let A.J. Dillon handle maybe a little bit more of the rushing attack. And I think if you can do something like that, there's a little bit of a way that you can overcome losing Devontae Adams. So here, Toby, I'm going to do something a little different. We uh, do not, and this is partially my fault because I am the producer of the show, we do not go to our Facebook friends very often for their thoughts on topics. I am going to do that today. (laughs) I am going to go to a Facebook comment, Paul has an idea, and I'm glad you brought up A.J. Dillon and all of this, because he wants them to run more two-back formations. Please. Paul says they did that in Dillon's first season, then not so much or never last year. I agree. One, it gives the team two of its best offensive players more time on the field, and team defenses would have to watch for Jones's speed outside on runs and pass catching out of the backfield. Also, as Dylan's power running between the tackles. With this two, I think I might have read that weird. With this two on the field, it will also help set up the wide receivers and tight ends. That's from Paul messaging us, or commenting rather, on our 1250 AM The Fan Facebook page. 
I 100% agree. I want to see more two-back sets. I was clamoring for it last year. I'm clamoring for it even more this year because I think it's more a necessity. Last year would have been a luxury. This year it's a necessity. I think if you're going to try and have your best offense out there, it's going to be fewer receivers. You're still going to have two and three out there. It's going to be fewer receivers, but it's going to be more running backs. Get those guys out out on the field because if we're being honest – I actually might take Kylan Hill as a playmaker over some of these guys that are going to be the third and fourth wide receivers. I hope that he can bounce back. I was really high on Kylan Hill coming out of college, and then he lands with the Packers. I think he can still be something solid for this team. Patrick Taylor, solid. I think these running backs are going to be a big part of this offense this year, more so than in years past. I don't think it's necessarily going to be run first. Again, I don't think that's the wisest choice if you're the Packers. But I think they got to get these running backs more involved. Hey, real quick, Toby, I do have an update. Um, I guess you could call it breaking news. It's on the Brewers lineup this evening. Yeah, what do we got? So uh, the lineup has been released, but there has been a change. Christian Yelich has been scratched from tonight's opener against the Twins with mid-back tightness. That from Adam McKelvey, MLB.com. So the new lineup now, one through nine with Alexander on the mound. Colton Wong will be leading off and playing at second. Willie Adamas is at short. Telez at first. McCutcheon in the DH. Omar Narvaez will catch. Luis Urias in the sixth spot at third. Jace Peterson will now be in left field. Hunter Renfro back tonight will play in right. And Jonathan Davis batting ninth will be in center field. That is not ideal that there's back tightness for Yelich. Because... He really has been injury-free this past year. You know, he's been able to go out there and just play baseball and not focus on whether it's the knee or the back, and mostly the back last year. Now he's going to be dealing with some back tightness. That's not great. Hopefully it's just a one-night thing. And, you know, if we're, again, looking back at what Yelich has done this year is still disappointing as a whole. But what he's done in the leadoff spot, he's actually been fairly decent in the leadoff spot. I can't complain about what he's done for you in the leadoff spot. We can nitpick a lot of different things about this Brewers team, but honestly, since Craig Council has moved Christian Yelich up to the leadoff spot, he hasn't been too bad. He's been one of your better hitters, and I'm fine with that. If if he just has to stay in the leadoff spot, you know, we can find a spot for Colton Wong, and it still plays to the strengths of Christian Yelich if you put him in the leadoff spot because what he gives you is really good base running. You've seen that throughout his time here in Milwaukee is that and I think he's improved every year as a base runner is that he's got so much easy speed on the base paths that he just creates havoc at times when he gets out there because the the defense knows they have to be on point to try and get him. He can steal bags. Even now he's stealing bags and much less if he can put the ball in play and he's on base first to third, scoring from second to home, going first to home, those sort of things from Christian Yelich, he gives you that maybe a lot of other guys in this lineup don't have the capability of doing. So hopefully this is just a short thing, but it is good to have Hunter Renfro back off the 10-day IL. Good to have him back because they need him. They need his power, his bat in the lineup. It's just so frustrating watching some of these guys that have to play in the outfield. I love Jace Peterson. He's a utility player on the infield. He's not an outfielder. Keston Hira, I don't really ever want to see him have a glove in his hand again, unless it's a batting glove. I, I can't watch him field. I was talking with with Tim yesterday. 
his throw from left field when a guy was going first to third, and he threw it, and it was nowhere close to the bag. Keston, that's not a far throw, dude. It's in left field, and you're throwing to third base. That kind of stuff is unacceptable. you got to be a whole lot better than that, but unfortunately, that's not been the case with Keston Hero. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Bart Winkler from the Bart Winkler Morning Show, he's going to join us. We're going to talk about the various things we've talked about today as well as do some draft mockery coming up in about 20 minutes. Bart Winkler comes up next here on the Fan Afternoon Show. I'm Toby Altizer, and that is Adam Roberts here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 12.50 a.m. The Fan. It is the Fan Afternoon Show. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Adam Roberts producing the show today and joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. The one and only Bart Winkler. Bart, what's going on? Oh, I'm just reeling from the news that uh, Christian Yelich got stra- uh, scratched for tonight. Yeah, back injury. That's not good. Oh, no. Yeah, that's not ideal. But Hunter Renfro's back, so we at least got to be happy about that, right? Hey, have you guys talked about Corbin Burns at all and the conspiracy? What's the conspiracy about Burns? I, don't, I haven't seen that. Well, it's our conspiracy. So he pitched on Wednesday. Yeah. And then that would line up to pitch. He should be pitching today. He should be pitching today and then Sunday. But they're holding him till I think, Thursday so that he lines up for the All-Star game. So we he should wants be getting to pitch... two burn starts this week, and we're only getting one. So he wants to pitch the All-Star game. Either he does or Council is letting him, or I don't know. But based on the, the way the rotation's been going, we should be getting two burn starts this week. We're only getting one. So are you mad about that, sad about that? Uh, we were trying to figure out today on the show how much I wanted to be mad about it. I think because I, you know, I don't want to make something out of nothing, but also it is kind of like weird. So I'm gonna wait to see how many dozens of runs Jason Ag- Alexander gives up tonight, and then we'll probably <laughs> be mad about it tomorrow. Right. I, I was telling Adam about my theory uh, how I don't like to go to games where. Burns is pitching, but I want to go watch Jason Alexander because everybody gets hits against Alexander. <laughs> oh, it's a great theory. People are on base. There's always action. I did a uh, DraftKings for tonight. Stack the Twins. Oh, yeah. I got to ask you about this because uh, first time talking to you. How was the kid uh, with the game on Saturday? Oh, my God, Toby. It was the best. It was, like I almost started crying walking into the ballpark, holding his hand like... <laughs> 
it was the best from the moment we got in there because, you know, this was like the most busy kind of majestic sort of eye-opening thing he's ever seen. The the biggest like, you know, like when you take a kid to Disney World, it's like, oh my God, look at everything. There's so much going on here, right? Mm-hmm. The most like, I don't know what the word, right word is, but the most like place we've taken him where there's been action is like a grocery store. So he walks into this ballpark and there's, lights everywhere and people and sounds and screens and it was just like his his, really i'll never forget his face it was so wide open and just full of like where am i and then we executed my ticket plan to perfection we got the um special tickets to buy the elmo bobblehead which he loves and so we had to buy special tickets for that and sit up high and i sat up high for about three pitches before I wanted to never sip. I hate it up there. And I have a kid, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to like make an impression on this kid to, you want to, I want I think he should be close. So then we found on uh SeatGeek $135 tickets for eight bucks. That's not bad at all. So no, no, it is not bad at all. So then we went down there and uh, we were down there for innings three through seven and and he, he did really good. I think the problem is I wanted him to have a good time so that he'll want to go back. But now he might have had too good of a time cuz he loves oh, Sesame every, Street. Every, so now I got to take him down. when there's no when he doesn't like Sesame Street cuz they kept showing it on TV during the half innings and uh I think he liked that a little better than the actual game. So now every time if I take him again he's going to be thinking that Sesame Street's like a part of baseball. It's not. <laughs> It's, no, normally it is not. Normally they don't do who in the crowd looks the most like Elmo between innings, which I'll have to break his heart next time we go. Toby Altizer alongside Adam Roberts talking with Bart Winkler. I do want to remind you that this portion of the show is brought to you by Pfizer. Charging a cell phone can be like getting a booster shot. A booster is given to enhance or restore protection after a primary series vaccination, which wanes over time. Schedule an appointment when you are eligible. This message brought to you by BioNTech and Pfizer. Bart, one thing that we talked about that I know you'd be totally in favor of. We're talking about how going into this season for the Packers, they're going to have to use Aaron Jones differently. They're going to have to use him a whole lot more. I was looking at how many touches he got a game over the last couple of seasons, and two years in a row he got almost 18 touches. He got 17.5, 17.9, whatever the number was. And then last year he dipped down to under 15 touches a game. I want to see him get close to 18 to 20 and used more in the passing game. I know that's something you've been advocating for for a while. Well, it seems like they've been saving him for something. You know, a guy like Aaron Jones, especially the way that he runs, uh, very elusive, very quick. But also, if they're going to use him as a receiver in the open field, that can open you up to some more contact, right? Open you up to, to some more hits. And I, even without A.J. Dillon, when they had Jamal Williams, it always seemed like they wanted to kind of limit the Jones portion of that. So he's as fresh as possible at the end of the season and in the playoffs. And I think that, you know, you gotta, you gotta look at, you know, it's kind of cruel, but you gotta look at what this guy is going to do for you this season, but also how long is he going to be here? You know, there's a possibility that this could be Aaron Jones last year as a Packer. Uh, There's a possibility that Corbin Burns is not a brewer, you know, after his contract, a very real possibility. So that's why if you're the brewers, you should be pitching him twice this week. 
get what you can out of him, and not just the one time. But with Jones, yeah, they've got to they've got to use him more. I don't know, you know, what the future is, but it does seem like they've been saving him and saving him, or at least trying to protect him. But he needs to be, if they're going to be any good offensively, he needs to be a massive part of this offense. Part of the reason that I'm not super down on them losing Devonte is Aaron Jones. If if they're if Aaron Jones isn't used correctly, or let's say there's an injury to Jones, then they're in trouble. I mean, they can still hand the ball off and run to Dylan, and we'll see if any of these receivers step up or what happens at tight end. But to have Aaron Jones, it's just it's it's he is such a weapon, and I think they've only like cracked the surface or utilized that every so often. You know, it was early on when I thought they could use this guy like the Saints use Alvin Kamara. And the Packers have done that. And the games that they do it, I mean, it's very, very successful. But sometimes it doesn't seem like they want to do that. So I just, the more they can get him the ball, I'm with you. 20 touches a game would be would be perfect. And get a bunch of touches to Dylan, too. I mean, this has got to be a good one-two punch system. I want to see those guys in the backfield together 20 times a game. You know, I, I want them to be together and utilized and... And really a focal point of this offense. As good as Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he can be voted number one on whatever poll they want to vote him on. But this is a team that I think needs to go through. They need to go through Jones and Dylan this year if they're going to be successful. Yeah, I almost want to see them do like, you know, they've gone kind of 1A, 1B for a while now with their running backs, whether it's Williams and Jones or now Dylan and Jones. I almost want to see them use Dylan as the lead rushing back give him the majority of the runs because I'm fine with him getting 15 runs a game. I think that if you give Dylan the number of rushes, he'll really weigh down and wear down that defense. But get the ball to Aaron Jones in space. If that means fewer rushes and his total amount of touches is less, I'm fine with it if you're giving him quality ones where he can make something out of nothing, whether it's screens, whether it's using him in the slot, running him in some shallow crosses, whatever the case may be to get him the ball in some space. I just want to see Aaron Jones utilized more. And I think the perfect example that you brought up is Alvin Kamara because they can work together because you've seen seasons where the Saints have kept Alvin Kamara used quite a bit and then Mark Ingram has a great year. And there's no reason that the Packers can't do something like that this year with Dylan and Jones. Yeah, it's almost like too obvious of a comparison. But that's what they need to do. And if they don't utilize those guys and make them the focal point, then it's it's just you have you have this great weapon in front of you. You've got this great set of ingredients to make a meal, and so that we have they have to use it. They have to actually go through with it, which I think they will. You know, I do think some of the season will be trying to trying to determine like which receiver is going to be the guy. I think there's going to be a little bit of that, but I, I think this is a, the Packers. I think it's a Packers team that's going to be prepared to run the football more. And, and that should benefit Jones and Dylan. And there should be a lot of play action off of that, too. I think we're going to see the truest form of Matt LaFleur's offense that we've seen in the four years, the offense that he came in with. And, you know, it's going to be up to Rodgers to go through with that. But I don't have any reason at this point to think that he wouldn't. Real quick, I do want to talk a little bit more uh, about the Brewers, but we talked about this a little bit the other day with Paul Emig when I was in with you last week. But what kind of grade would you give the Bucks this offseason? You kind of hit on it a little bit, but we kind of dove into it deeper a little bit today. Adam said about a C plus. I said about a C C plus because 
you know, I don't necessarily feel like they got better. They also didn't get worse. You know, they kind of did what a lot of us expected them to do and bring some of these guys back and then really just brought everyone back. And then for all intents and purposes, and then brought in Joe Ingles and drafted Bochamp. So haven't done anything special, haven't done anything terrible either, but where, where would you grade them? Well, I would give it closer to a B plus. I might, did I say A last week? I, I can't remember what you said. I think it was somewhere probably around a B. I think with the with the offseason, retaining Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton, that was the mission. Specifically Bobby. Like, Pat Pat was always going to stay, okay? but and, and Bobby probably was too. But retaining those guys, to me, was how you determine if this offseason was a success or not. And then they had an asset with the draft, and they used it. And I think we're just going to keep falling more and more in love with Bo Champ as we see him. And then I do like Joe Ingles being signed. I understand, you know, he's coming off an injury and he's older and like this whole team is old right now. So I think there might be a little disappointment because I think they've had a good offseason. I feel it does kind of feel like well, maybe there's one move missing or maybe there's one more player they could have got or like a younger kind of wing that they could have got. So we'll see. But I, I'm, I mean, C, C is C is low. You guys, you guys are low. I would say at least, at least, at least a B. Yeah, I'm just lower I, because I they didn't B get plus. they didn't get better by any sort. But I don't know that they could have either. I think they just kind of kind of average. That's why I give them a C. Just kind of average. And I'm waiting just see what happens still. Well, I think they. Who did they lose? They didn't really lose anyone. And then they added Ingles and then Bochamp, so they got better. Eh. I don't know. I just I, like are those guys really moving the needle for you? If if they play them, it's gonna be like, are they gonna play them? And I look, dude, I'm buy. Okay, I'm not trying to buy in the summer league, <laughs> but Mamu hitting threes, guys, looking good. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna buy in the summer league because if we're doing that, then every Wizards fan is mad because Johnny Davis apparently sucks. So that, that- I stayed up late last night just to watch Richard Jefferson ref. How was I that? I hate myself. It was it was not worth it, but how do you watch also, a guy ref? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> One last question before we get to some draft mockery. We talked about this yesterday. Uh talking about the Brewers, because you know, you go on Twitter after any Brewers loss, and it's like no one's ever watched baseball before because there's 162 games and we freak out after a loss. It's the worst at the beginning of the season. But during the middle of the season, if they lose a series or much less back-to-back series against bottom feeders, it's like the worst thing that's ever happened to this franchise. And so I was asking fans, like, what do you honestly want out of the Brewers? Like, what do you want from me? Because, you know, you can say they need to spend more money, and we've talked about that, but this is the most money they've ever spent on a payroll in the franchise's history. You can say, well, I want a successful franchise. You're about to go to the fifth straight postseason, hopefully this year. I'd say that's pretty successful. Like, If you say you want a World Series, I can understand if you're a little bit disappointed in this team, or if you say you want to be the best team in the National League, I get that. But like, what do you honestly want out of the Brewers? Is it just competitiveness, or is it you? you need a World Series now? Well, I need a World Series. I I mean, Brewers fans, we all need a World Series. I think where some frustrations building up right now and like what do you want out of the Brewers is we all assume, we all assume that the same thing's going to happen. We still think, you know, they're good enough to win the Central, all right? 
But then we just think that they're going to get bounced right away. Even with as fluky as the baseball playoffs can be, there's really nothing showing us that this team is going to be worth anything offensively to have happen different than what happened last year. It feels like we're watching a rerun where we're going to win the division and then a team's going to come in and we're going to score like four runs the whole series. And there's nothing really night in and night out to show us any different. And not only that, but some of the pitching has been underwhelming. Uh, The defense is getting really bad. And for all that, they're still in first place. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's, that's great, but this isn't, we're not like, I I remember a season in like 2007 where I was scoreboard watching in August and I, I was so thrilled that it was at that point of the season and like we were still in contention. You know, I was scoreboard watching in August. I, I was just, it was like the greatest feeling for me. We're so far past that. The, the Brewers have shown that they can get to the playoffs. Small market be damned. They can get to the playoffs. We're going to need to see them do a little bit more than that. And right now it looks like, and again, we don't know what it will look like in a couple of months, but there are no indications from what we see right now to convince us that there's going to be anything other than the result of the last few seasons where it's a if they could have, should have, would have, they're going to lose to the team that wins the World Series or goes to the World Series. So I think we just want we want some progress. They're they got to the certain point and then it seems like they've plateaued. So I I would say the answer to that is we want to see some progress or at least the hope that progress is possible come uh, the playoffs. Well, and that's what I talked about with Sparky. I talked about it with Tim yesterday is I don't know that Brewers fans would have thought if you brought this up to them a decade ago, 15 years ago that hey, you're going to be going for your fifth straight playoff appearance. You're nine games above 500 in first place in the Central, close to the All-Star break, and people are not happy with this team. I don't think people would have understood. I don't think people would have believed you. But now where they're at, this is where fans are getting a little frustrated and won a World Series, and I think that's a good thing for the Brewers to finally raise the expectations from let's just get into the playoffs to now expecting a little bit more and fans are a little frustrated because of it. And I have no problem with that. I think that's a good thing for a franchise. I think it got that way with the Bucks. You know, it was happy to, Hey, we're in the playoffs to, Hey, let's go and win this thing now. And hopefully that can be the case for the Brewers. And now the expectations have been raised. They can go do it. Yeah. Cause winning, getting into the playoffs year after year, it's not, it's not a championship. And you, you talk to all these other fans of football teams are like, how can Packer fans complain? They're always competitive. All right, but there's no progress there. So when you're bad, you want to get in the playoffs. When you get in the playoffs, you want to go farther. And when you start to go farther, you want to win. You want progress. There just hasn't been any progress. So that's what, yeah, I, you know, Brewers fans 10 years ago, they'd be like, whoa, really? No way. But those same fans, here we are, and we're like, okay, this could be better here. So, yeah, I would. I, we were all taking this 10 years ago, but now that we're here, mm-hmm. you know, Let's, let's do something with it. All right, it is time for some draft mockery, so let's set it up with some beautiful music from the one and only Bart Winkler. Come on now and try to understand the way this popcorn feels in my hand. Take a scoop and put it in your mouth and eat some now. Yes, eat some now. Yes, eat some now. Ow, 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 Go!
popcorn. Try that night. Gourmet popcorn. Cherry sweet corn or Milwaukee mix. You gotta have Nats Gourmet popcorn. It is time for Draft Mockery, presented by Knight's Gourmet Popcorn, providing you with the freshest gourmet popcorn in Milwaukee since 1952. Mention 1250 AM, the fan, for 20% off. Adam Roberts, take it away. All right, gentlemen. It is another edition of Knight's Gourmet Popcorn Draft Mockery, and today we are looking for the best TV shows with a catch, as mentioned by... Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. We are looking for one TV show from each of the last four decades, not including this one. 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. I'm also going to add the caveat, where, which should be obvious. We are looking for a show that was most popular in that decade. Like, for example, The Simpsons technically started in the 80s, but everyone remembers their popular years from the 1990s. So we're looking oh, for... Oh, I don't a- like this. Why not? Well, some shows are, they span like, if they were on from 07 to 14. Well, I mean, I guess, but I don't want to be dealing with a bunch of people commenting, well, that show technically started in 99. Well, technically, schmechnically. If it, if it played, we'll do, if it played in that decade, I'm good. All right, it. fine. If you're going to, if you're you're going to live host, our life while people are tweeting at us on draft mockery, <laughs> we ain't going anywhere. We ain't going anywhere. All right, what's our fine. order for today, Adam? What's that? What's our order for today? Ah, correct. Yes. Uh, well, Plus, I am going... you brought up Simpsons. These Simpsons snobs, they're still cranking out decent episodes, okay? I watch Simpsons every week. Well, that's great. Good for you. I, proud I, of only you. Watch, I only watch from seasons two to seasons eight. Well, congratulations. You missed 22 years of good episodes. <laughs> Agree to disagree. All right, moving on. I I do agree, though. There are some... I mean, I started watching them mostly in the 2000s, so... I don't think I've ever watched an episode of The Simpsons. Well, then you won't draft them. That's good for us. Yeah. (laughs) The order for today's draft will be I, the producer, going first. Toby, you will be second. And Bart will pull up the rear in third. By the way, congratulations to you, Toby. You were the winner of yesterday's draft mockery, Best Baseball Jargon beating Tim Allen and myself. You are going for your third win of 2022, and you now have one win in the PR era. Bart has six wins this year, and I have two. So for my first pick, I am going to go decade by decade. I'll start with the 1980s. I'm going to go with... Well, by that logic, I am going to go with The Simpsons then. If we're going to say it technically aired in the 80s, (laughs) I am going to take The Simpsons. Yeah, 89. It, it premiered, yeah. And technically earlier on Tracy Ullman. Yeah, you're right about that, too. Okay. All right, Toby, you're up. All right. Um, I'm going to go in this decade because it's the slimmest. If anyone knows me, knows what pick I'll take eventually, as long as one of you doesn't take it, but I'm going to save that. I'm going to take Brooklyn Nine-Nine for the 2010s. Hmm. Interesting with your first selection, too. Uh, some of the other decades have more to choose from. Okay, smart. I'm going to try to win this poll. And I've never I've never really watched the show, but I'm going to use my 2000s pick on The Sopranos. Nice. 
Sorry, I just gotta type that in. My fingers can't move as fast as Sam's do for this. He's really got this thing down to a science. Uh, I am also, with my second pick, gonna go in the 2000s. And I'm going to go with Psych. That's wow. a good show. I really, I really like that show, Psych. but I don't think that's gonna be as popular. Well, Bert and Guster we're is talking, one of my we're, favorite. We're in the peak TV era, and Psych and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Bert and Guster is one of my favorite <laughs> characters of all time. You guys are all right, all right. This is a freebie for me. All right, I'm gonna go in the '90s and take my favorite show ever, Friends. Jesus. Bart, I uh, believe it's you. Yep, Bart. Alright, I'm gonna go in the... I'm gonna cheat as well. No, I'll take, uh... I'll take Seinfeld in the 90s. That might win it. Although, can I change that to the 80s if I... I mean, if you follow my Simpsons logic, yes, you technically could. I'll keep him in the 90s for now. Okay. Uh, let's see, I've done 80s and the 2000s. Uh, 90s, I'm gonna go Fresh Prince for my 90s. Alright, I'm gonna go 80s, because I think you both have already gone 2000s. I'm gonna go with Cheers in the 80s. You son of a bee. <laughs> with the swipe. Bart. God dang it. All right, so I need 2010s and the 80s. Um, I am going to take, God. I'm gonna take the office? Darn it. Are they in the 2010s? I don't know. I think their last... Well, you, no, they went into the 2010s. Yeah, their first season was 05, and they ran for nine seasons. Darn it, that's who I was going to take. Yeah. You want that for your 2000s or 2010s, Bart? Well, Toby, I'll trade you Office for Cheers. No. Oh, wait, you already have Sopranos for your 2000s, so that's 2010s for you. Yeah. All right, uh, final round. I need a 2010s show. You know what? I'm gonna do Game of Thrones. Alright, that's not bad. Uh, I'll go 2000s, and since I couldn't get The Office, I'll take Parks and Rec. Yeah, that's a good one. And Bart, your final selection, we need one from you from the 80s. Uh, I got a suggestion here to take MASH. <laughs> MASH is the worst show of all time. <laughs> Very meta humor, Bart. <laughs> I, I would never take... Like, MASH is terrible. <laughs> My heart. Um... What if I put Seinfeld in the 80s? God, you really screwed me, Toby. You're welcome. Why don't you give me, uh... Jeez. Give me, um... Give me, <laughs> give me Elf. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bypass Mash to take Elf. <laughs> and you're giving me grief over a show. Okay. Well, I got one to spare. All right, I'm gonna have to do some uh, 
tinkering around with our character limit, but we have our selections for this episode of Draft Mockery. I go with The Simpsons, 80s, Psych, 2000s, Fresh Prince, 90s, Game of Thrones, 2010s, Toby, you took Brooklyn Nine-Nine, 10s, Friends, 90s, Cheers, 80s, Parks and Rec, 2000s, and Winks thinks Bart Winkler, you took Sopranos, 2000s, Seinfeld, 90s, The Office, 10s, and Elf in the 80s. I am prepared to get, once again, around 3% of the popular vote for yeah, this one, Elf. which you can participate in. You know what in. Elf stands for? Enlighten me, please. Alien life form. Ah. That's I why was, it's named Elf on the show. Yeah, I'm you can so bet you guys didn't know that. I was hoping to get all the Friends junkies and all the Office junkies on my side. Well, I got the Elf Maniac, so the uh, we call them the Elfaholics. <laughs> <laughs> Love yep. it. All, all right. right, and you will be able to vote for this at 12.50 a.m. the fan on Twitter once I get this under 240 characters. All right, sounds good. Bart, appreciate it, man. Later, dudes. There you heard from Bart Winkler. From the Bart Winkler Show on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, if applying for a home renovation loan has you feeling anxious, breathe and let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com. Today we're going to take a quick break. But before that, I want to remind you that this portion of the show has been brought to you by Pfizer and BioNTech. Charging a cell phone can be a lot like getting a booster shot. A booster is given to enhance or restore protection after a primary series vaccination, which wanes over time. Schedule an appointment when you are eligible. This message brought to you by BioNTech and Pfizer. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Bob Herrig from Sports Illustrated. Writes about golf there. Also wrote Tiger and Phil, golf's most fascinating rivalry, a book that you can get at any local bookstore. He comes up next here on the Fan Afternoon Show with Toby Altizer and Adam Roberts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.